White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 697. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. Well, the Shadow War may be over, but we are back. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. This is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, are you out there in TV land? I, I am here, sir, and I am doing wonderful. How are you good. doing tonight? Good, yes, good. Really good to talk to you again, because somehow we survived our marathon three-hour recording uh, of... of <laughs> What two weeks ago now? Has it been that long? It's hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Almost. It was, it was on a Saturday. Yeah. Almost two weeks ago. Yeah. And so um, we broke that one into two episodes as we planned to do all along. And so f- folks are currently, as we speak, as we are re- as we are recording this on a Wednesday night, um, the second episode is out on the Patreon page for the patrons to hear. So. They get it several days early. They got it really early this week just because we already had done it. So I didn't have to wait until like Thursday or Friday. I just went ahead and posted it this morning. So they've had a, they've had all day to listen to part two. So, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So now, the, as I said, the, the war is over, as, as Veer said. We did win, you know. And so now we get to move on finally and talk about 407 Epiphanies. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit, but we've got a few other things I think to talk about too. Let me do our quick reminder that um, that you know if you if you become a patron and you can go to www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron, or just go to patreon.com and look for White Rocket Reviews, um, you get to leave messages and make comments and everything on our Patreon page that I read on the air, and we're going to do that in just a little while. Uh, bear in mind, we don't have ads. We do not interrupt this show with, with uh, annoying commercials other than these, <laughs> other than talking about the Patreon, thanks to our patrons. The patrons are able to cover um, the things that we would otherwise have to be running ads to cover, and so we need all the help we can get with that. Well, we need all the help we can get in general, but we need all the help we can get with that. So go to again, go to patreon.com, look for White Rocket Reviews, or go to www.b5review.com to uh, sign up and join the ranks, become a patron, join our family. Um, so uh, let me think. What else we need to mention is we have a spoiler section. This is a podcast that generally tries. We're not perfect. We are not perfect people. But we try not to spoil too much for those of you that have not watched beyond what we're talking about. Um, so therefore, if you want to hear stuff from further on in the show or like stuff that only we figure out later, then join us at the end of this episode in spoiler space. You will hear the jump gate sound and know it is time to go to the spoiler section. All right. Um, so, yeah, what kind of what news or info or factoids, Andy, might you bring with you this week, if anything? I do not have anything specific this week. 
we 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 have no. Oh, uh, JMS did mention that he was going to reveal the uh, the nature of the um, special project he had sometime at San Diego Comic Con. So that would oh. be early summer. Okay, I didn't hear that. That's that's yeah. news. So, and that's the one that involves the uh, the entire surviving cast, yeah. main cast of of the show. So, there's been a lot of speculation as to what that might be and and mm-hmm. when we'll get to see that and all that stuff. But yeah, he said he's going to reveal all the information at a special announcement at San Diego Comic Con. So let's place our bets now. And I'm calling out the patrons. I want you guys and gals to to lay down in the in the comments or in the um, in the messages section, what you think it's going to be, because this really is a mystery. I've I've thought all along. I've leaned towards some kind of animated thing using their voices, like a like a Lost Tales animated with with them using their voices. What do you think? I you know a lot of people have said something to that effect. They've they said like a radio drama or an animated or something. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna go a different direction. Say it's a either a documentary or. Mm. Um, yeah. Just like a cast interview type of thing, like a like a retrospective on the on the series as a whole. I I I think it'll be that route. Well, this is the twentieth. I mean, the thirtieth anniversary of of the gathering, and then next year's the thirtieth anniversary of the first episode of the series. So, yeah, and he does. They did do stuff like that in the past. So. You are probably right. It probably is some kind of a documentary thing. I like the idea of an audio drama of some kind, kind of like Big Finish does. That would be really cool. So yeah, I'm gonna rele- I'm gonna relegate my guess of an animated thing to the back to the trash bin. I, you have convinced me that it is probably a documentary, maybe an audio drama. Either one would be awesome, though. I think. That'd right. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be cool. So. Um, all right, I have just a few things here, and then um, the first thing I want to do, we'll get into the summary in just a second, and then we'll talk about other news, um, but before we get into the summary and the guest stars and everything, I thought I knew what epiphany meant in both senses of the word, and I was more or less right, but just for folks that don't know, as opposed to an epiphone, which is a type of Gibson guitar that I have upstairs, <laughs> um, epiphany is a sudden manifestation or perception of the essential truth or meaning of something. So you have an epiphany and you realize something like Buddha had when he figured out, you know, how to go straight to the afterworld and not be stuck in the reincarnation anymore. Um, Then there's the, there's the Christian sense of it, which is the, um, the manifestation of Jesus Christ to the world, also called the feast of epiphany, theophany or three Kings day. Mm, so, interesting. Yeah, so there's all kind of, you know, that's what JMS does, right? He borrows from all sorts of areas and, and makes really interesting stuff with it. It's well, also interesting we, we, that this should come after falling from falling toward apotheosis. Right, and, and it should be mentioned that we did have a visit from Three Kings on Babylon 5 this episode. Oh, my gosh, we did. I had a note about that, <laughs> and I didn't put three and three together. Yeah, we did. Did have the Three Kings show? I was gonna say, what well, did we go rob uh, Kuwait or Iraq? Because that was the Three Kings, you know, movie. <laughs> right. But no, the, the the King of Rock and Roll showed up times yeah. three, didn't he? Three of them, yeah. Oh my gosh, I missed that completely. I've never thought about that before. I just thought it was one of those wacky things that he did, you know. JMS, will stick three Elvis right. guys on here, just to give Zach a hard time, you know. But right. golly. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Did you know that before? Or are we all putting this together right here in front of each other? 
I picked up on it when I saw it. I was like, oh, look, it's the Three Kings. I had I had never heard the Epiphany called the Three Kings Day before. So this yeah. is like this is new to me. Okay. So you, you weren't you weren't raised Catholic then? No. We no. And I, I went to Catholic school for the first twelve years of my schooling, and uh, there you go. Yeah, we we have a little holiday for just about everything, and it's got a fancy yeah. name too. So right, right. No, I was. Originally raised uh, Presbyterian and Methodist. I've always said uh, Presbyterian is like Methodist, but you play a lot of golf. Because <laughs> it comes from Scotland. As I know. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> well, anyway, that's good to know. I'm, I think we've, uh, I'm glad that you knew that. Now I know it, and, and our listeners that didn't know it know it. So that's really cool. All right. So, as always, do you want to do the summary, or do you want me to do the, the boring one? <laughs> uh, you know what? I can I can do the summary. Um, I, I, this is one of those those shows that has just a lot of. It's like a a holding pattern type of thing, or, or a uh, record keeping type of thing, where you know they they he just JMS organizes all of his ideas in real time as we watch. Mm. Um, the best that I could come up with is Earth prepares to shut down Babylon Five. Yeah, that's right. I mean that's that. I mean that that and everything just stems from that there's no real i guess there's a a plot where bester comes and wants mm. to find out if if they can go to zaha doom to find technology to save his his lover but uh even that's kind of a loose plot i keep, I keep thinking couldn't they have found a better word for her they all they said that <laughs> in the in ship of tears they use that word too and i'm like right that just seems a little too intimate for Bester. Right. I mean, I know that I know that girlfriend or gal pal is a little too informal, but my lover, it just sounds like <laughs> like something Rudolph Valentino or something would yeah, say. I not mean, Bester. Why, why not? Why not his his wife? Just yeah, just yeah, exactly. Why, why not me? I don't know. I don't know. It's really weird. Well, anyway, the yeah. love of my life. Anyway, um, that yeah, that's that's the best I could come up with. Yeah, the, the, well, let's see. So the uh, the lurker's description is Bester arrives with news of an Earth Alliance plan to further isolate Babylon Five, and Garibaldi delivers some surprising news to Sheridan. Now, of course, there are. Well, I, I was going to say this episode is a very unlike the last few. This episode is a very character-driven episode, right? This episode Absolutely. is like. Here's what the characters are doing now that the Shadow War is over as they take a breath before the next big thing. And right. so it basically just kind of checked in on everybody, including the Doctor. We got some extended Dr. Franklin for the first time in a while, which was nice. Yep. And we didn't um, see anything to do with Marcus. That's true. That's true. But we've had some Marcus and no Franklin, so now we had some Franklin right. and no Marcus. But, we, yeah, right. we kind of ch- we didn't have any Lanier. We didn't have any Veer. There's a lot of people missing from this episode, but we kind of checked in on a few. This was a very Lita-centric episode, which I thought was good and interesting. Yep. I've got more to say about that as well. Yep. The, the P5, interesting that I should talk about Lita, the P5 rating <laughs> for this episode is 8.43, which is, you know, okay. Maybe a little higher than yep. I would have expected. Stay right. tuned until the end of our review to find out how Andy and I rated it on our. I guess we should have done uh, our scale out of ten since P five rating is out of ten. But oh well, you can double ours wow. if you want to. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this was production number four hundred seven. Originally aired February tenth, nineteen ninety seven. And it was written by JMS, of course. We're still in that long run that's going to go for a while longer. Directed by, oh, look, it's up on Mount Rushmore of Babylon 5 directors. Directed by John Flynn III. 
Sometimes he's billed as John Flynn, sometimes John Flynn III, sometimes John C. Flynn, sometimes John C. Flynn III. He's like, you can call me Ray or you can call me Jay. <laughs> you can call me John Flynn III. Notable guest stars, Walter Koenig, of course, is Bester, and I've got something to say about that. Damien London is back as, they call him Minister, but it's Verini. I mean, we it's I think it's established Minister Verini, so that's what I'm going to call him. Right. He's got a CCG card that's okay. Of, of course he does. <laughs> yes, and it, and it says on it, Minister Verini. It's not going to just say Minister. Um, and the other notable guest star, did you catch who was at the very beginning? Mm. Besides Elvis. And besides, Elvis. besides Elvis and Bester, yeah, um, dancing, no. dancing with Doctor Franklin. Oh, that was his wife, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Or his his widow now? But yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, yes, yeah, his wife. Yeah, a lovely lady. She is a lovely lady. Yes, she um, she's been in the the show before, hasn't she? Yeah, I think so. They were having a good yeah. time though. That I that that whole scene was very interesting. It was, it was very reminiscent of of the celebration after World War II ended. Yeah, I mean the mu- the music, the style of dance, the whole nine yards. I'm like, wait a minute, is this from a World War II movie or what? Yeah, that was probably on purpose. I like the idea that Sheridan is up there watching Franklin, and he's got that kind of internal monologue going where he's like, you know, there's this to worry about and this to worry about. But then I guess I could just do like Doctor Franklin and have fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then which he's, is he, what Doc Franklin does. Which is what he. Yep. Hey, if there's a lovely lady involved, um, and that is lovely lady, go uh, go ahead and tell the audience where I met her, Andy. Probably, I'm going to guess Dragon Con. That's a good guess, and I didn't say it. Gotcha. No, no. Now, do they have to take shots if I say it, or just if you say it? <laughs> that's like the that's like I did the, the 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 bar trick where you put a quarter under a salt shaker or something, and you say I can make it disappear. I can make that quarter fly, you know, disappear from that spot without touching the salt shaker. Yeah. And you go Alakazam, it's gone, and they look they lift it up. And you just move it. <laughs> I got you to lift up the salt shaker for me, so I appreciate right. that. Right. Yeah, fun bar trick. My other fun bar trick is drawing uh, a, a comprehensive uh, out, uh, map of the state of Wyoming in less than two seconds because it's a freaking rectangle. Um, right. All right. So here's some factoids and notes that I was able to find. I, I'm glad that you you found the thing about the other project because I saw JMS saying that he was reassuring folks like us that the reboot is not dead. People right. had been, you know, it's kind of the reports of its demise were a bit premature. Absolutely. And um, he says he went through kind of a lengthy thing where he said, if a show doesn't make it, they let you know. Right. And he says, nobody has let me know dot 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 so therefore you know it may be on life right. support it may not but it's not dead right so they're they're still it's it's still in the kitchen it hasn't been thrown out that's right we don't know if it's on Whether, the stove in the refrigerator or, or in the trash well it's right. not the trash can it's not the, it's right. not the garbage disposal right um i had one last thought about into the fire i want to mention before we get too deep into epiphanies here because i kind of had an epiphany about into the fire uh Look how I did that. Um, I guess. Oop, crap. Please clap. There we go. Sorry. Um, um, it occurred to me after we'd already recorded both episodes of our conversation about Into the Fire that I, I think I figured out, I think I put my finger on one of the reasons why 
it wasn't maybe quite as satisfactory as it could have been. Now, we agreed that it was, you know, that it, oh, Kirby's up. We agreed yep. that it did accomplish what it needed to, and we really liked it. We gave it great scores and all that. But, you know, some people felt like it didn't fully round out the, the story arc. And I think I maybe, I think, you know, the, our, our, our knee-jerk reaction is to say because they thought it didn't have enough action, right? It didn't have a big battle right. or something that decided it. But I have another idea. Another thought came to me. And I want to know what you and what our listeners, our patrons think about this. If I'm totally okay. off <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm totally off base or if I'm if there's something to this. Um now there were two things I think needed to happen for it to be fully satisfying. One is that Sheridan needed to have encountered the Vorlons and encountered the shadows before this episode into the fire and he did right Right. he had all this stuff with kosh which let him interact one-on-one with the vorlons and then he went to zaha doom and interacted briefly with morden and and the shadows and justin and all that and anna and i I always just kind of took it in stride that he did those things i never thought of it in story terms that he needed to do those things because if you're if you're facing two big monstrous enemies you need to have gone up against each one of them separately and gotten the measure of them before you come back and have the final showdown, right? Think about if, right. think about if we'd head into the fire and he'd never gone to Zahadoom, never met a shadow, never talked to Morden, really. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have been as yep. satisfying. Absolutely. Right. So that was good. But, the, but here's the other thing that kind of needed to round it out that we didn't get. And I understand why we didn't get it. I don't think there was a way to get it. It just was impossible. But here's what I think we needed. We needed to have at least a glimpse of the inner workings and the inner plotting and thought processes of the Shadows and the Vorlons. We got a little of that with the Vorlons. I'm talking about, though, at the end. Right, because Sheridan confronts them and says, you think this and you think that, but you've lost your way and you need to get your head straight, right? I'm mean, paraphrasing, obviously, drastically, but he's, he's telling them, you need to, it, it, the, you're the problem, not us, right? You're the problem and you need to get yourself straight and you need to decide. And Lorian kind of steps in and says, maybe it's time for, we all, for us all to go, right? I'll go with you. We'll all go together. Let's go. And then it's like, beat, beat, okay, and they go. What we didn't see was the conversation that was had among the Shadow Fleet and the conversation separately that was had among the Vorlon Fleet and maybe some crosstalk, we don't know, that led them to go, you know what? Sheridan and Lorian are right. We're done. Let's just leave. We didn't get that. And because we didn't get their side of that important conversation, it just felt like they gave up and left at the drop of a hat. And and now we know they didn't, and we know that there was a lot more to it, but you kind of had to assume that. You know what I mean? We didn't get right. it. Right. So what do you think? I, I see where you're coming from. I think that would have been difficult to show. Yes, 100%. Because, because both antagonists are so alien. Yes. And, and it, it, it would have been very difficult. There, I, I'm sure there is some way. If I sat down and put some thought to it, there, there might have been some way he could have shown that from Sheridan's viewpoint, which is what the whole the whole conflict was from. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I can't off the top of my head 
think of a way that he could have done that, though. Yeah, I can't either. You know, the way that it could be done, though, and this is something I've always wished they would have done, because JMS has talked about doing this, but he never did. If the whole thing had been done as a novel or a series of novels, Mm -hmm. then you could have taken like a whole half a chapter there and said, like, among the great powers of the Shadow Fleet, a conversation was unfolding. Some of them were saying, yes, let us go out and leave this galaxy. You know, others were like, no, no, we must have victory. We must defeat the Vorlons. And then they're like, no, but you're the problem, see. It's not about defeating them. And then they'd have had a whole thing, and they would have finally come to a resolution. And the, and the shadow debate would have been chaotic and violent, and the Vorlon debate would have been like... Uh, uh, you know, we are not leading. I'm sorry. What am I thinking? The Vorlon debate would have been. Let's go. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, but I think the debate would have reflected their natures, their opposite natures. Right. And that would be such a cool novel if they could have done that in a book form. And I think JMS kind of did try to show that with the representation of how both species were speaking to Sheridan and Delenn. The the very structured, unyielding woman in the ice for, for the Vorlons. And then yeah. the multiple different viewpoints of the insidious lies and, and, yeah. and chaos from from the uh, the friends from um, Delenn's yeah. viewpoint. I, I think that's what, what that symbolism might have been trying to represent. Yeah. But like I said, it, it's, that would be hard to get across without going into a Vorlon ship or a shadow ship. And they, he avoided doing that the whole time because he wanted to keep the aliens as alien as possible. Oh, yeah, yeah. And honestly, if you'd gone inside a Vorlon ship and it had been plywood and spray paint, I'd have been like, uh, oh, man, let's just, yeah, not, that, let's just not go in there, you know? That, yeah, that would have been hard to do for sure. Because then Kosh would have been like, the inside of, your, of my ship looks like your council chamber's. <laughs> and then Amazing. they would have had to, you know, put the bill for a whole second encounter suit so the two could talk to each other. Or they would have had to have the whole the the whole CGI thing of the squid people talking to each oh, other. Oh boy, yeah. yeah they. That, I don't remember if we mentioned that or not, but somebody did ask last episode um, why was Kosh in his suit and the shadow wasn't, and it was because they were already having to CGI the shadow. And right. if they'd had the CGI, the squid thing we talked about, it would have just been, you know, right. prohibitively, you know, too much. Essay. Better just stick him out there in the suit, and then he's, you know, he's good. So. Yeah. And it worked. It worked fine. Yeah. Um, um, ah, let's see. I did want to mention that this is about the time that Third Space happens. So, oh, yeah, true. We're, I, we are presumably going to cover Third Space chronologically, like, as it came out, right? Right. Right. But if you are watching the series and you want to see it in story order, go ahead and fire up Third Space sometime between now and um, when things really heat up in the Earth War. Because yes. I don't remember the date that they gave, but I remember in Third Space the introduction said it was the time between wars. Mm-hmm. And this is the first episode where that would be possible. Right. And I got the sense it was probably closer to this than it is to the Earth right. War because obviously a lot of stuff starts hitting the fan as we get closer to the Earth War, and then you can't really stop that to do the Third Space War. Right. The third, Absolutely. the third space episode, the Third Space movies seemed to take place when things had settled back down for a minute. Yeah. So 
probably right about now. It's like 407B, basically. Right. (laughs) You know, I did just think of a a tidbit that we could pass along to our our listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, Babylon 5 has left HBO Max. Yes. I forgot to put that on here. You're right. But it will be showing up on Roku Channel and I think Tubi. Okay. So it it is it is gone from HBO Max. Yeah. Um, so if you're out there and you're you're fretting about how you can watch it, both Roku and Tubi are are free, uh, free streaming apps. So um, you can you can view it that way. I got the entire series on iTunes two or three years ago for twenty four ninety five something like that, which is insane. I did too, and, and they still they still run those those specials, yeah. so you can also get it that way. Well, I noticed today it was like sixty five dollars or something, so yeah. it's back <laughs> it's still a steal at that much. Oh yeah, that's that's about what you paid for the DVD for one season on DVD back in yeah uh, two thousand. I, I know this because because I have all five seasons of the DVD. <laughs> oh, I do too, right over here. Plus the movies, yeah, I got them. Yeah. Right over here next to my Giant Space 1999 box set. And I got the Crusade box set right next to them, too, man. That's one of my prized possessions. So, um, Let's see. Oh, did you notice that the Psycor emblem on their building is basically the Nazi symbol, just with the Psy instead of the uh, swastika? I did not notice It's like an that. eagle with the Psy in his feet instead of an eagle with the swastika in his feet. Oh, so, yeah. Hit, yep. us over the, hit us over the head, Joe. <laughs> Subtlety is not thy name. No, no. Um, I had a note here that um, somebody told Bester, yeah, the, the, oh, I didn't get the name of the actor that played the weird psychor old dude. He was kind of stiff and not oh, particularly yeah. impressive. Yeah. Not, but he not did very say, he did say something has rattled President Clark big time. And I was like, I wonder what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that when your giant, powerful alien race just suddenly decides to pack up and leave and you're left right. holding the bag. Yeah. Um, this is the first episode. I've got two more things. This is the first episode where we really get a sense of what Lita is having to go up against now that the Vorlons are gone, right? She always had the Vorlons to fall back on, but now she's kind of on her own. She's an outcast. Nobody really claims her, and yet everybody wants her to help them for free. And we've talked before about how they needed to like make a, an NIL name, image, likeness deal with Lita and sign her up for a multi-year contract to be the like Babylon Five's bait. You know, their home telepath. You know, they could. Why yep. couldn't they do that? Why couldn't, I, why couldn't Johnny have just like put a contract in that says, you know, Lita gets free room and board, all she can eat at. You know, all the oranges from Johnny's bowl, all the coffee from Susan's plant or whatever. Right. Um, well, in this episode, we see him showing how he really feels about Lita. He does not trust or like her. No, that was that really ticked me off. Yeah. I he I didn't like how he he started out very solicitous toward her, but toward the end, he got nasty. foul. And I was going to say this. I think Patricia Tallman killed it this episode. She did. She did a very good job. She had to cover a wider range of emotions in this episode than usual for her. And, right. and her, her facial expressions throughout it were just right on, you know, just perfect. I, I, thought, she did an out, I thought she did an outstanding job. I've always been I Italian. I'm Italian man, uh, you know, by trade. But, right. but, but I, was, oh, I was extraordinarily impressed with, with Patricia Tallman this time around. I thought yep. she was fantastic. Yep. So. I, I especially liked her scene with Zach. I thought that was really neat. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that for sure. Um, so uh, 
the the gentleman's name that yes. that played uh, the official was Victor London. Oh, interesting because because Minister Verini, Minister Verini's Damien London. So two Londons in this episode. That is interesting, but he is best known for playing Chief Standing Pat on the Batman television series. Well, that's why I didn't know him then. <laughs> <laughs> he also played on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, The Man from <sighs> Uncle, Hondo, Star Trek, the original series, The Time Tunnel, Get Smart, all the 60s genre yeah. shows, it looks like. I'm sure he was on Perry Mason at some point then. They all were. <laughs> Probably. Everybody Every was on Perry Mason. I spent like 2021 into 2022 watching almost every episode of Perry Mason. Yeah. And I mean, Robert Redford to... You know, I mean, every actor you can think of from the 50s and 60s was on there yeah. either as a murderer or a victim <laughs> or a witness. It's unbelievable who all was on there. Anyway. Um, Perry, Perry Mason was the Paris of TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, my last point was um, when Garibaldi tells Zach that whole story about hiring him when he was down and out and nobody else wanted him. That sounded to me like Joe Straczynski talking to the actor who plays Zach. That could be. Wow. Wow. I think, I think there was... I, you know how he likes to write? He liked to write to the actors. Like, he wrote a lot yeah. of stuff for, for Mira Furland that related to the Civil War in Yugoslavia. You know, it's interesting that you mention that because I was reading an interview with Jerry Doyle, and he said while he was saying those lines, while they were filming that scene... He had his back to Zach almost the entire time. And when he turned around, he saw that the actor playing um, Zach had tears in his eyes. And that kind of shocked Jerry Doyle because it wasn't that emotional of a scene. But that, that uh, he had, you know, his, his eyes were all teared up and everything. And that, and that kind of shocked Jerry Doyle. But mm. now, now that you say that, that makes sense. Maybe, maybe yeah. the actor realized where those words were coming from. It was absolutely Joe saying, yeah, people said yeah. you were a bad risk. I gave you a chance, right? You've had yeah. your problems, but because we didn't know yeah. any of that about Zach. We knew he was kind of right. you know naive and a puppy dog and everything in his first season or whatever, but we didn't know he had all these issues and nobody wanted him and everything. That's the, that's right. the first time we've heard anything about that. Yep. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we get into unanswered questions, let's do our ranking the first ones. Our great patron, Allison... Uh, sent us a YouTube video that kind of goes through and talks about the different uh, first one ships and it shows each one of them and tells them what it's called and everything and um, um, it gives a lot a lot of lore on each of the races behind them I'm not yeah. and they say that uh, the the gentleman doing the YouTube video said that a lot of it came from like the uh, the role-playing game and stuff like that so but it's a lot of interesting stuff yeah yeah so and I don't I don't have the link handy I would I, I think it's actually, you know what? I want to make sure people have it. And I think, yeah, here it is. It's, um, if you go to YouTube and search top ancient races, capital ships, Babylon five, top ancient races, capital ships, Babylon five, you should find it. And thank you, Allison, for suggesting that here is the order that they rank them in. And they use, like you said, they use the role-playing game. I think they always use like the Starship Combat game, which is kind of like a dice game with little models and everything. Right. Um, the, there's a lot of there's books and stuff that go with that. This is all stuff that they don't produce anymore, by the way. This was back in the day. I've got some of it. I've still got some of the little ship models, too, that I put together and painted. Here is, I'm going to go from seventh to first, and then I want to get your reaction. And I don't think I'm going to pronounce all these right, because I didn't see spelling <laughs> of them. 
right. I saw your spelling and a couple I, made me laugh. <laughs> I just said that's what it sounds like to me. Coming in at number seven, so the weakest of them, of the this is like ranking the first one's ships, apparently, okay? Right. Coming at number seven is the Gear Shift Lords. I, I, I think <laughs> it must not be Gear Shift, but that's what it sounded no, like that guy was saying. It's Kirishiak, K-I-R-I-S-H-I-A-C. Okay, the guy doing the YouTube video, you, is, he's hard to understand, okay? Right, he's, not he's a, got he's a not little a bit of a... I don't know if it's a speech impetiment or an accent, but yeah, he it's was just a little something. difficult to understand. I, I used to, I, you know, even as recently as a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, why do these people have the computer doing the audio for their YouTube videos? Just talk. And then I listen to this guy, and I'm like, you should have used a computer. <laughs> <laughs> you should have really used a computer. So it's not the Gearshift Lords, but I like the Gearshift Lords, so I'm going to call them that. <laughs> Coming at number six, and wait, by the way, which is what does that ship look like? That's the pineapple thing isn't it or am i wrong yes because the the, the curious shack and the mind riders both look very similar to each other okay so it, it's kind of like the, the pineapple thing or the the uh um i thought it looked more like a coconut split okay. open but yeah pineapple or coconut they, they both look, look very similar had a very similar color scheme and everything yeah number six are the tuvarlu speculators yeah those were those were kind of cool those were kind of like the the vertical ships okay I don't remember them very well. They kind of went past me on there. Yeah. Number five are the Mind Riders. Yeah. And that's such a JMS name, by the way. In fact, you know that he wrote a few episodes of Alien Worlds on that on the radio the radio show Alien Worlds. I've got a CD somewhere here of like all the episodes of Alien Worlds. I used to love that show. I've it never would, heard of that show. It was a syndicated radio drama. And it would come on like on the it would be syndicated across different channels in the station in Birmingham when I grew up. It would be it, 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 every episode would start out something. It was something like um, rotating silently in space, twenty two thousand miles above the surface of the Earth, is the Arthur C. Clarke Memorial Observatory Star yeah. Lab, and it's, it'd say something something here on Alien Worlds. And they have, da 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 and the whole show was the crew of Star Lab dealing with different alien menaces, right? That and, sounds kind of cool. Yeah, and JMS wrote, of course, like most of the episodes were kind of just, you know, aliens attack, you know, whatever. But obviously JMS, when he was really young, just starting out, wrote several episodes. And I think one of them was called The Mind Riders because that's oh, just a thing he likes. Telepaths, you know. Yeah, he looks, also, like they're all avail- looks like they're all available on YouTube. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, one of the episodes he wrote was called like the Earth Alliance Conspiracy or something. And I'm like, ah, see, he was testing out ideas that he would yeah. later use. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's a conspiracy inside the government. Yeah. So he was, he was always pushing the envelope on stuff like that. Not just conventional, you know, fight the bug eyed alien, but government conspiracies and right. telepaths and stuff. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Coming in at number four is the triad. I think these are the guys that had the little ship with three arms sticking out and it shot out lightning yes. bolts. That's pretty yes. cool. That was pretty cool. And, and I kind of like the lore behind Did you, uh, the part of the lore is they're actually, the race is made up of three sub races or three. They were at one point in time, three separate races. There was one race that was all about chaos one oh, race yeah. that was all about law, mm-hmm. and one race that was uh, new- neutral between the two of them, and then they all mm-hmm. three of them came together to make a perfect society. I thought that was interesting. Which is like a microcosm of the shadows and the Vorlons and everything. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Uh, number three, he has the Vorlons, which I'm not sure I agree with. 
Number two, the Walkers of Sigma 957 in the big disco ball ship. Mm-hmm. And number one, the Shadows. Now, I'm not going to argue with the Shadows being number one because they're the oldest other than Lorien. Right. But the Walkers would have to show me something to make me put them ahead of the Vorlons. The fact that they appreciate disco and incorporate that aesthetic into their <laughs> ship puts them above anybody else but the, the Shadows. Because ah, they're staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> well, you can't tell by the way my spaceship flashes. I'm a crazy <laughs> alien, so give me the cashes. Anyway, I don't know. All right. So are you Stick good to with your day job. I know it. Are you good with that ranking, or do you want to move any of them around? Uh, you know, I ranked them according to how cool the ships look. Okay, there you go. I like it. Come so on. I have sh- Shadows at number one. Yeah. Because those ships are cool. Vorlon's a very close second. Yeah. Because I love the Vorlon ship. The Walkers. Yeah. Simply because of their love of disco. <laughs> the the Torvalus. Okay. You didn't have Torvalus on your, your the list. Specula- the Speculators, yeah, number six. Oh, the Speculators. Okay. The Speculators of Torvalus or the Torvalus Speculators. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have tied the Kurishiak and the Mind Riders because they look almost identical to me. Yeah. And then uh, in seventh place, I have uh, the Triad. Not that the Triad is a bad ship, but all the others are just cool. Yeah, it's pretty close to how I would rank them even in a power poll, t- power ranking type thing, too. So I like your I like your ranking, and I'll go with it. But that was neat. I, I like that idea, Allison, and I appreciate you mentioning it to us. Cause that, that yeah, was, that was, that was very cool. I, yeah. I enjoyed watching that video. That was good. Um, let's see, just a few unanswered questions. And these are all from me. I didn't really find any unanswered questions from, uh, from, in fact, I just realized I don't have any notes from, uh, the lurker's guide. So maybe I'll peek over there in just a minute. I did all this myself, but, uh, my first question, if, if Bester knew he was sending those six pilots to their death, as he admits he did, why did he choose his six best pilots as he also says he did? I think he chose, uh, and the way I understood it was, he chose the Black Omega Squadron to do this. Because that would look like he's very serious about it, right? Okay. Black Omega only consists of those six pilots. So he had to choose those six because he didn't have anybody else to to choose. All right. Well, that works. That's so you've answered that, my that, unanswered question. <laughs> that's how. That's like I have an unanswered question too. Whenever you're, whenever you're done with yours, I've got one. Um. Okay. Let me see. I have another one. Who, who was that leaving Zaha Doom just as the White Star arrives? Now I think that's a spoiler answer, but that's an unanswered question. As of this episode, it's an unanswered question. We don't know who it was. Correct. Right. Um. Why did Garibaldi? Oh, go ahead. I think it was uh, the Battlestar Galactica and the, the ragtag fleet looking for Earth. <laughs> and they were like, this is not it. Definitely not it. Nope, 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 <laughs> Jump. Everybody jump. Uh, number three is, why did Garibaldi draw an emoji on the bathroom mirror? Um, I think that was symbolic. At least later when he erased it was symbolic. I think that was, well, yeah, when he erased it, that that was symbolic of his personality or his mm. his what should I call it being erased because mm. he erased it he erased his identity on the mirror. Mm. Interestingly, nice. I hadn't thought of that. When um, he drew that on there, in the the director wanted him. To, the director told him, "Yeah, just draw a smiley face." But the actor Jared Doyle, when he was drawing it, did the straight line because mm-hmm. he was blank of mind and was not happy. He didn't. He wasn't his normal 
humorous self or quirky self that he would do that. He just drew a straight line because he had internal conflict between what was implanted in him and what his regular personality was. That made I, I thought drawing a straight line, and he kind of even frowned it down in the bottom corner. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that made a lot more sense than just drawing a, a smiley face. Right. I agree. I can see where he's going, but yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, what is Bester's ace in the hole that he has that will do so much damage to Babylon 5? I think that's another spoiler. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, did Lita, in fact, blow up Zaha Doom? Yeah, it was heavily implied yes. by Lita, no less, that she mm-hmm. did, but... Yeah, which is kind of why Sheridan got so teed off there at the end. Right, right. Yeah, but I so think my Lita, question. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I just I think Lita probably knew better than anybody else because nobody else could control their greed. Oh, interplanetary expeditions would have set up a field office there. Oh, absolutely. And and absolutely. then we'd have and then we'd have to revisit the infection episode every week for the next twenty right. years. <laughs> that could have been a whole spinoff series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My unanswered question is, when Garibaldi made the decision to, to resign as security chief, yes, was that because of the programming he received from Psychor? Was that what the message he received told him to do? Mm. Or is that something that he would have done anyway? Yeah, no, my sense was, it was they were, that was what it was telling him to do, to go ahead into phase two of the plan. Mm-hmm. And phase two uh, involved him not being there anymore. Um, JMS JMS said that he leaves that up to the viewer to decide that he left it intentionally ambiguous. Okay, all right. Uh, I have a couple of JMS speaks now. I'm very quick at that. Um, he hmm. said JMS said there's one more reason why I wanted to get the Shadow War out of the way because too many people were focusing in on the show as being about the war. It ain't. It's about the right. changes that happen before, during, and after a war. And what's coming up is in some ways stronger because it's more personal. And we talked about that, that the, the Earth War is more personal. That's why you do the Shadow War first. If you think just in terms of scale and how much setup there was, the Shadow War would have been second. You'd save it for the end. But if you think about the Shadow War is something they did as a job. It's a you know it's something they had to do to save the galaxy. This time it's personal, <laughs> as they always right. say in those movie trailers. Right. You know uh, about the dance music you referred to. Chris Frankie wrote the music in big band style, so that was Christopher Frankie doing nineteen uh, forties big band stuff uh, on purpose. Yeah, um, they used special software to make that message to Garibaldi that was swimming all over the screen. Um, uh, Sheridan was very sharp with Bester, somebody said. And JMS says, yeah, Sheridan's taking a different tone with a lot of people these days. I guess being dead for a while does that to you. Um, Somebody asked, was Bester actually trying to scan everybody at the conference table? Yes, he tried to scan everybody, but Lita kept blocking him. And that was what was getting him so frustrated because he didn't think she could. And then JMS points out, Lita doesn't officially work for Sheridan, but she has nowhere else to go and is beholden to him for just everyday survival and protection against the Psychor. That makes her answerable to him. Yeah, and it also makes her resentful, and I don't blame her, because she has to basically beg. It's like she said, people only come to her when they need something. But then she has to basically beg just to probably get fed and get to keep her apartment. And I don't think, you know, spoiler, but I don't know how that's going to last. So, yeah. Um, why did the regent end up with the keeper, the little creature, the critter? 
Well, if you want to do something really nasty, you want to do it to somebody everybody kind of likes so that you feel for the situation. I like doing that sort of thing, dropping anvils on characters to see what pattern splat they make. <laughs> oh, JMS, JMS. Um, uh, yep, and I mentioned the three kings at the very bottom. All right, that's that. Um, so I guess we're ready to get into the categories. You ready? I'm all set. High point of the episode. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm a, a, a spaceship geek, and you know I love <laughs> the Star Fury. So seeing the Black Omegas, the Black Omegas are the coolest of the, the Star Furies. I just love that that, de- that design, the color scheme on it. So it was really cool to see them, if, if only briefly, mm-hmm. to see them uh, show up once again. Yeah, they are cool. They're not my favorites, though, but I get to what you're saying. They do look cool. Um, my high point of the episode... Well, part of it was Patricia Tallman's performance and, and Walter Koenig. I thought they both, Koenig, Walter Koenig. And I just kept thinking, you know, I've read so many books on the making of Star Trek, and they always, whenever they talk to Walter Koenig, he's always like, I, I wanted to do more. I wanted to show more range. I wanted them to include more parts for Chekhov to do, and they never do, right? They just never right. do. And so Babylon 5 is such a revelation for him to get to do stuff, to be nasty, to show a range of emotions. He even got a little Shakespeare soliloquy. Yeah. (laughs) How about that? It was like a scene out of Deadwood where the camera slowly, slowly zooms in while he's giving his little soliloquy. Chekhov never got to do anything like that. No, (laughs) because he was... He was just supposed to look like one of the monkeys. Yeah, just sit there and look cute and have the girls yeah. giggle over him, and, and, and that was it. And he's oh, he's so much more a Babylon 5 guy than a Star Trek guy. And I know the Trek people lose their mind at that thought, but it's just how it is. It's just how and it Absolutely, is. yeah. He, he yeah. probably had more lines in Babylon 5 than he had in all of his Star Trek career. Put together, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on Star Trek, he's not even Robin of Batman and Robin. He's like second Robin. Right. And on Babylon 5, he's basically Dr. Doom. I mean, which right. one would you pick, right? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, but I think my other high point is uh, one of my all-time favorite Sheridan lines when he says to Bester, you could do that, and I could nail your head to the table, set fire to it, and feed the charred remains to Pac Marah. But it's an imperfect world, and we can never get exactly what we want. Yeah. I love that, that so line. much. I used that yeah. at, um, I used that at the, uh, the LARP the B5 LARP <laughs> at you know where back in like 1999 <laughs> or 2000. I was Sheridan at that. I was very blessed to get to be Sheridan at that event. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I pulled that out on, uh, on Bester. We had a, we had a whole sidecore contingent there. It was so awesome. What That's was your, cool. what was your low point of this episode? Oh golly. I had two low points. I couldn't decide which one was worse. Uh, Garibaldi resigning yeah. was pretty, it was pretty tough to see because I, I just like that character, and I don't know. It, it, it's like a, a, a negative turn for his character. Um, even yeah. though he, he came across as being happier this episode than he has been all season long. That's for sure. Um, and then uh, Sheridan and Lita's interaction there towards the end was, was yes. pretty gruesome. I just... I, 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 I He was just mean to her. I mean, for... Uh, and, I, I understand he was upset that she blew up the planet without asking him, but... I mean, that's not his planet, you know. So she doesn't have to ask him, and she did. And the all the reasons she gave him were were bang on. I mean, you know, he couldn't argue with any of them. You know, he wanted to keep, or she wanted to keep it out of the hands of people that would exploit the the technology and, and cause trouble for the galaxy. It's not like all she right. was doing it for personal reasons. No, I mean, no. she did. She did have some personal reasons, but 
but no, it was logic, sound, sound, and logic reasoning. All right, <clears throat> excuse me. Have blown up a planet in science fiction. Lita Alexander, um, the blonde-headed scientist doctor lady on Stargate. Uh huh. Or I guess Ro- she and Rodney together, something I don't know. And the Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. Who am I leaving out? I mean, those are the three I know that blew up a planet. That's. that's I mean, a pretty. Pretty exhaustive list. <laughs> you can kind of stretch it to Dr. Rush on Stargate Universe on the very first episode when they accidentally blow up the planet that they're trying to open the, the gate with the extra uh-huh. chevrons, you remember, and it kind of blows up. Have you seen that? Yeah. Have you seen the Stargate Universe where it... I can't remember I, if you're talking I, about that. I have not seen Stargate. Okay. I've watched like four episodes in total of Stargate. So good. Um, they Yeah, they blow up a planet. But was it... All right, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need a patron or a listener to tell me this. Was it Rodney or was it Doctor What's her name? I can't. I'm sorry, I can't think of her name. I, the, the original Stargate show was just never my favorite. I've watched them all, but I just you know uh, I just didn't like them that much. But the blonde-headed lady, you know, the the main cast. You had Richard yeah, Dean Anderson, yeah. you had Tilk, you had yep. the James Spader dude, and then you had the blonde lady who was really smart, <laughs> and I can't think of her name. I can't either. Like I said, I haven't seen much of that. There, yeah. there is another character that blew up a, a planet on in a movie, sci-fi movie. Oh, it was the um, the uh, highway construction guy in uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, had, he had to blow up Earth because it was unfortunately in the way. So yeah, oh yeah, something kind of like that was happening. No, that was Stargate Universe 2. I, I get it in Battlestar Galactic confused because they were kind of similar. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you because there's only two seasons of Stargate Universe and it's so bloody good that at some point, Andy, I want us to, to cover it. Especially since you haven't really watched it. It'd be fun to kind of get your view as I go I'm back told- and watch it for like the fourth time because it's the I'm best. totally down for that. Oh, it's it, so now, good. Do I need to have any prior Stargate knowledge? Because it wasn't ah. like two or three series before that one. Two. But okay. it's sufficiently different. And in fact, I, I wonder what Stargate people will say to this. I would argue that knowing the, the more you know Stargate before SGU, the more confusing it gets because it's so much darker and more serious of a show that you're like, why are those wacky fun characters acting so dark and mean here? But if you've never seen the other shows, you just take it for granted that's just how they are. You know what I mean? So, Gotcha. Yeah, I'm you know. down for that. Oh, it's so good. All right, we'll get to that later. All right. Um, my other low point was Minister Verini with the keeper at the end. Yeah, because dropping yeah, the that was kinda, yeah. Thing. yeah. Well, spoilers. Uh, most Babylon Five scene. Uh, for me, it was the uh, destruction of Zahadum. Yeah, that's that fair. was that was kind of a big deal in the lore of Babylon Five, and it was yeah. it was kind of a cool scene. I had multiple things for almost every category this time, and that was one of the two I had. I had Zahadun blows up, and I had the three-way space battle with the Black Omegas, the Babylon 5 ships, and the Earth Alliance ships. Yep. And I did love the twist at the end where the guy's like, wow, you saved our bacon. Where'd you guys come from? Babylon 5? What? Whoa, whoa. I thought that was super cool. Yeah. And, and of course, it's Ivanova who's going to be like, uh, you know, we're... You know, they. It was, well, I don't remember what she said, but she basically said they're lying about us, or we're not as bad as you've heard, or something like that. You know. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, which is kind of foreshadowing a little bit. All right, favorite character moment. There's a lot to choose from because this is a very character episode. There were a lot. I mean, <laughs> I narrowed it down to a top three. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got two. Um, Bester's final scene. I, I tacked that one on at the very end because that was a, a kind of a powerful scene. 
Um, that was kind of cool. And the other two involved Garibaldi. It was first his interaction with Jakar. That when, was uh, funny. Jakar came in, yeah, and he, he kind of apologized to him and kept saying he's sorry. And Jakar wanted to thank him and gave him a big mm-hmm. hug. Mm-hmm. And uh, Garibaldi and Zach was a pretty pretty powerful scene, I thought. That was. Yeah, I didn't think of that when I was making my notes, but you're right. That I think the Garibaldi and Zach scene, just because it was so grounded in reality, I think, as we're realizing, yeah. that's a really good one. I um I all but there's so many to choose from. I noted uh, Jakar and Londo see each other across the room, and Jakar yeah. comes up. They come up to each other, and Jakar says, "My world is now free. You no longer exist in my universe. Pray we never notice each other again." That and, was that was kind of I don't I don't remember the the level of animosity coming back to that to that mm-hmm. be, because he, I mean we know where they end up. Mm. And that that was that was wild. I wasn't expecting that that level I, of animosity. I wasn't either. I think that we kind of have to get past this, though. If you're, in other words, right. I don't want to give any spoilers out. But if you're like saying, "Oh, now there's never going to be any more Lando Jakar uh, interaction," it's no, don't panic. I think Jakar had to say that. You know what I mean? I think he had right. to. But now that he said it, we let things kind of settle down a little bit. And we can get back to kind of the old, maybe just a little bit of the old Londo Jakar fun, hopefully. Um, But what I thought was kind of poignant and yet funny at the same time there was, you know, as haughty as Londo can be, and as much as we were talking about how he was channeling Hitler for a while, remember? Yeah. When when the war really got going, he was like Hitler. He was like the freaking SS. Right. And and here when Jakar says, don't hope, pray we don't ever notice each other again, instead of getting all angry and yelling, what does Londo do? He looks super disappointed. It's like he's like, we can't be pals now. Right, right. Like, he wanted everything to go back to the way it was, know, the way he's like, interacting with Zach. And, what yeah. you, I'm like, Londo, what in the world, what world are you living in that you think Jakar is going to be like, oh, we're cool now? Right. Y'all right. made a deal in, in yeah, expediency was, for was, both of you, but it wasn't like he did anything out of love for you or vice versa. My gosh. Right. Yeah. He was, he was there. He was all trying to have fun and stuff, you know, shopping and haggling with the, with the, uh, mm-hmm. the vendors and everything. So, yeah, I, I, I just am like, what, on what planet does Londo think Jakar is going to be like, yeah, we're cool. It's all good. I just, I don't even know. All right. Uh, funniest moment. Funniest moment for me was um, I, I had to. Uh, one was uh, the mention of Disney Planet when <laughs> when uh, Garibaldi was talking about what he was going to do with his retirement. He's going to go to Disney Planet, so they don't have a a Disneyland or a Disney World anymore. Now they have a whole planet to themselves. And then uh, Zach's line: "You never know who's going to walk in." And then in walks Bester, and then in walks the three Elvises. <laughs> three Elvises. <sighs> yeah, yeah. That and now we know why. So I feel like right. I learned something. Um, oh, I forgot. I forgot one other character moment. I was going to say real quick because this was important to me. I loved at the beginning when we were getting that voiceover internal internal monologue from Sheridan, and I love how he stopped and said, "Give me today, and I will be happy." Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if we had a category for best line, and in fact we may want to change one of our categories or something, right. I don't know, because we're getting lots of, getting some very memorable lines lately. Um, yeah. But I just love when he says, give me today and I will be happy. That's just a very good life lesson kind of thing, you know? 
Right, and and I had that as one of my candidates for uh, uh, character, best character. Scene, okay, was that that whole monologue? I thought that was a cool monologue. Yes, I did too. All right, you said your funniest moment, right? So, yep. Um, in a dark way, Jakar had a funniest moment when he said to Franklin about the eye. He said, "The Centauri who did it was not a surgeon of your caliber. I believe he used something like this." And he holds up the pliers. And he goes, "Of course, I only saw it end on." You see, <laughs> I'm like, "Dang, man!" That reminded and he me. Was of, so mad, he was so matter of fact about it. I know. I know. And poor Doctor Franklin was like, "Uh, no, that's quite all right. You don't have to go into any further details there." <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love that Franklin said something like, "I could go a little dig along deeper in there," and he's like, oh, "I've had quite enough of that." <laughs> <laughs> that was good. It reminded me of Corwin in the Amber books, really. I, I was like, oh, boy. I don't want to hear about somebody gouging their eyes out again. I've had yeah. enough of that with Corwin. And then um, there was a really good line when Londo came back. Some of Londo's greatest moments are at the customs checkpoint with Zack and Always. whoever. Yeah. And he said, the emperor said I would only be allowed to leave over his dead body. You said I would only be allowed back on Babylon 5 over your dead body. I can only accommodate one request at a time, so you have to wait your turn. I just <laughs> that was a good that. One. That was so good. All right, who won this episode? Uh, I had the, the B5 crew win this episode because they showed, uh, well, they went and rescued the, um, the Earth Force guys and kind of turned the tables on, um, sh- or on uh, uh, President Clark. So I thought that was the the big takeaway from this one. They got one over on Clark. Yeah, that's good. Um, I said, and this was this is interesting. I hard I because everybody was kind of won a little bit and lost a little bit in some ways, which is interesting for a celebration episode. Uh, right. But I thought really the person that came out the furthest ahead this one episode was Zach because he gets to be the head of security now. Yeah, uh, but he had a good scene with Garibaldi. There was no acrimony there. He's like, you know, I'm glad you're going to get to be the new, you know, you get a promotion, whatever. And um, I also liked, by the way, that Garibaldi pointed out that the Earth contracts we because you and I have talked about this. Their Earth contracts are null and void. They're basically just volunteer work, right? And then I guess the largesse of Minbar kind of pays their bills. I don't know. I guess that yeah. and docking fees, right? Docking fees are what's paying them. Which yeah, which they're going away. Yeah, yeah. So from at least from Earth, yeah. Um, but yeah, Zach. I mean, and, and Zach even had a good moment with Lita. Two good moments with Lita. Yeah, he did definitely. So I, I felt like he was win 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 all the way across this episode more than anybody else. That's legit. Yeah. So good for Zach. Yeah, um, good for Zach. And just heads up because it really does fit in here. Um, look for more of that in Third Space. Because third space is right around this episode, and there's some there is some interesting Zach Lita very briefly in that episode. Right. Um, so who lost this episode? I have Bester because his <laughs> whole goal was to get information to help save his lover, and um, not only did he sacrifice his his top six men mm-hmm. to do this and betrayed them, but mm-hmm. he didn't even get the the information he was looking for. And he says, I'd do it again. Yep. He is, he's an evil person. I mean, he mm. has his emotional moments, but he is, to the core, just rotten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I mean, because here's the thing. I'm glad you said that because it made me stop and think for a second. And, and I think something crystallized for me I've never really put into words before. The, to me, the thing about Bester 
is that he is a fanatic about a cause, which is bad enough in most cases, right? He's an utter fanatic about a cause. But then there's that layer of, I'll betray my cause if it benefits me personally. So he's double exactly. bad. Yep, yep. He's like, if, he's, like if Hitler, he's like if Hitler would have just pitched the Wehrmacht over into Russia and said, ah, oh, screw him, let him die. I got to go, you know, I got to right. go play the lottery or something, you know. I mean, right. yeah, he's, he, he's, he's both kinds of bad. He's group bad and individual bad at the same time. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, and yet he's so fun. And I enjoy his yes. appearances so much because of that. I and do, we, yeah. We love he, the bad guys. He draws the the nastiness out of the crew, which is always fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He makes them act worse than they do normally, for sure, because they yeah. have to. Right. I mean, it's not every day that Sheridan threatens to nail somebody's head to the table and set it on fire and feed it to the Pac Marah. Come on, right? I mean, you have to really provoke <laughs> I mean, him. He didn't tell the shadows that. No, no. <laughs> he didn't tell Morton that, but he told Bester that. Oh my gosh. Shadows, my my uh, respected foe, um, Bester. I'll nail your head to the table and feed it to the bottom. <laughs> uh, my who lost the episode. Well, I mean, I agree with you. Bester is a good choice, um, but he didn't completely. He didn't get what he wanted, but he still learned some things and has things irons in the fire. He learned something about Lita that he didn't know. True. He's got he's got his ace in the hole, you know, and the his lover is still in the freezing thing. So she didn't he didn't lose her loser. He just didn't get her yet, you know, whatever. Right. Right. So he lost, but not in a catastrophic way. Um, right. He lost in the way of you get your parents to give you some money and take you to the store, and then they're sold out of whatever you wanted. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you lose, but you didn't really lose. Um, right. I felt like in some ways, Lita and Zach kind of lost this episode as well as Zach winning it because they cl- clearly Zach likes Lita and I can't really tell that she likes him back. But right. then again, she needs somebody, but they, right. they just, you know, I, beyond that, I have to say spoiler space. So we'll leave it at that. Right. All right, here we go. Our everybody's favorite moment, unveil the number, a scale of zero to five, and we do half digits. How did you rate this episode? And I, I gotta tell you, Andy, I had a hard time with this one. I, you know what, I did too. I, I wanted to rate it higher, but there wasn't a lot of there there. There no. wasn't a lot of plot or anything no. like that. And I waffled between three and three point five, and I, I ended up going with three I waffled between three and three point five, and I went with three <laughs> There you go. Incredible. <laughs> How do we do it? The, there were two reasons I wrestled with this one. One is exactly what you just said, that you, you, there, you, it's like trying to nail down jelly this episode. <laughs> and, and the other reason is because we've been up in the 4.5s and 5s for so long on an extended stretch. Right. I had to really stop and think, how far down do I drop this? Like if I drop it right. to 4. I was like, my first thought was if I drop this to 4.0, is that – reverting back to the mean or am I still skewed from all these fives and 4.5s? Right. But if I drop it down in the twos, is that overreaction? I had a really hard time with that. And I finally just said, let's just stick it in the middle and put three. Yeah. Yeah. And that's still an above average episode. Oh yeah. And it was. I couldn't, I couldn't rate it as high as, as 
uh, war without end because you know then I would hear no end of it. So <laughs> your complaint without end, that's right. fair enough. I, well, honestly though, there are not that many episodes in season four that are going to be down in the twos or one. Yes, correct. Well, yeah, I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of any that would be yeah. lo- lower than than a three. I want to say maybe the the closest we're going to get, the lowest we're going to get, is around the middle of the season. And I don't think that's a surprise to anybody because you know what's coming, right? right. Everybody more right. or less knows that the big showdown is coming one way or another. So I think that in the lull between wars, when you're not third spacing, right, right. Um, that's when you're going to probably find it. Um, for those that don't know what we're talking about, they made um, four, I think, made-for-TV movies. Uh, TNT did when the show moved over there for season five. Yeah, that was uh, part of the contract that they got. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I want to say the first one they filmed was Third Space. It's not the first one. I think In the Beginning is the first one they released, and then they released Third Correct. Space. But I think they filmed Third Space first because it used the same sets and costumes and everything as the as the season, as the fourth right. season that had just wrapped up. So they went ahead and did that, and then In the Beginning uses a bunch of different stuff, right? It had didn't have different demands, different requirements. Right. So. Um, the other two are Call to Arms and River of Souls, and we'll talk about them, obviously, later on. Um, all right, so let me thank the patrons right quick, and then we'll get to their comments. They had a few, but I didn't... Uh, quick I, quick yeah. question before you head to that. Do we count Legends of the Rangers as part of the, the film series or not? No, I think of it as like a pilot for a whole new series that was unsccessful, shall we right. say. Yeah. I- ill-advised? Yeah. <laughs> It was a lot of things, man. Yeah. It was a lot I'm of sorry. things. And it wasn't right. a lot of things, too. So <laughs> I Could watched, be one of those. <laughs> yeah, well, I watched it when it aired the first time on TNT or whatever. And then I bought the DVD, and I don't think I've ever watched it. No. I think it was on sci-fi. I think that was yeah. part of the problem was it was it was a sci-fi production. Yeah, yeah, boy. I think I've only seen it that one time. I've just never had the desire to actually sit down and sit through it again. But I will when the time comes here. When we get to it, by golly, I'm going to sit down and watch it again. But you're you're a trooper. I I, I will be there right there with you, Van. I I I haven't watched it since it first aired as well. So yeah. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. I've got two two DVDs of the Lost Tales, and neither one of them shows the entire thing. So I got to find a copy of the Lost Tales that isn't messed up. I don't know why, but both my DVDs are defective. I bought it like I was at Walmart the day that their new DVDs came in that week, waiting for them to put yeah. it out. Wow! And um and and got I ran home and watched it, and then for some reason after I watched it the first time, because I know I saw the whole thing the first time, but after that it messed up, and I've never been able to watch the whole thing again. Not that it was that great, but it's all right. Um, I have that DVD. Yeah. I, I've never actually sat down and watched it, so I don't know if it's if it's still if it if it was. Have you ever seen the Lost ever, Tales? I have. Well, it's only ever been on DVD. It never aired. Well, then I must have watched it on DVD. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it aired at some point, didn't it? No, it was direct to DVD. That was that was I remember that was the one with wasn't Galen involved with that? Um, yes, well, it was like and, three three mini episodes. Yeah, three, three mini episodes. Galen was in one, and and uh, uh, who's I think, the, the I think Ivanova replacement? Oh yeah, 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 Lockley. Lockley, and then Sheridan. I, I'm I'm picturing yeah. the cover right now. Sheridan was one. Lockley was one, and, and I want to say Galen was the other one. I'll, yeah, I'll have to, I'll, I think that's right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I'm sure I watched it. 
Yeah, and the, one of them involved the Centauri. I think it was like maybe the Sheridan would involve the Centauri or something. Yeah. Now, who produced that? Was that produced after the TNT thing ended, or was that part of the TNT production? No, that was I, the that was the last thing that's ever been done, as far as I know. That was right. just JMS going in a studio, and they filmed all this against a green screen. It's like super yeah. low budget. Yeah. I mean, he wrote it that they could just do it, you know, right. against a green screen. No, Not huge effects or anything. And right. just a few actors, just a handful of actors. Yeah, there, that, that was. I remember that was one of the disappointing things was there was just a handful of mm-hmm. of people involved. Super so. low budget. That was from that five minute period there around two thousand seven, when there was stuff being done direct to DVD. Yeah, that didn't last long. Yep. No, it didn't. That came and went. That, you know, it would have been interesting if streaming were big back then. How how that would have come about if if that would have gone to like series or something like that yes yeah imagine if imagine if if we had this the golden age of streaming that we have now if we had had that back then what might we have been that we might have gotten all 22 episodes of crusade right oh yeah Man. yeah well we'll see maybe we'll get something when the you right. know i i keep thinking maybe if we get the reboot of babylon 5 we'll at least get some version of the rest of crusade i'll never give up i keep oh, holding out I, I don't know i don't know if they'll ever do that it depends on what direction the the reboot goes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, well, uh, the whole crusade story. I don't want to go too far afield because we got to wrap this up. But the whole right. crusade story really is Shadow Tech. It's about the shadows yeah. and Shadow Tech and everything, and that's where they were going. And you don't know it because the virus is the plague is just one right. one aspect of the Shadow Tech, but it wasn't the main one they were going to do. And I really wanted to get the rest of it because it's going to involve the techno mages, who are like my favorite thing in all of Babylon Five, and it's just going to be right. so awesome. But oh well, we can cry about that later. Let me thank yep. our patrons really quickly. Here are the fine folks that keep the lights on here on the station and keep uh, keep the uh, customs, keep uh, Lita and the others employed and, and in food. They include <laughs> Christ- Christopher Anastasia, Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, aka Ari Benzina. I'm missing my category, Mister. <laughs> Emma Jane Alexander, I'm trying not to yell too loud and wake my wife up who's already gone to bed. Emma Jane Alexander, Leah G, Rich Hammett, Debbie Zombie Half Pint Had to Die Norris. I love that so much. Dragon Con <laughs> Delin, Emmanuel Seaman, Jalza, Mond06, Michael O'Connor, Steve Palmer, Andy Secretly Rates War Without End of Five. I love that, by the way, our patrons understand that you can go in and either put your name or you can put a little message. Whatever will fit in that box will show up here on my screen, and I read it. It's right. become a very popular thing on my football show, and so I try to do it here too. Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez, and Una Luna Azul. Uh, Jamiroquai, they, they make it hard on me, Andy. Uh, Heather and Yancey <laughs> Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone, and Michael Halbrook. Thank you all so very, very much. And here are just a couple of the um, of the messages. Let me see. This would be as of um, uh, oh, uh, Una Vez and Una Luna Azul asked, um, "Do we have?" a discord channel for white rocket reviews or white rocket or the Babylon five show. And I just said, we have so much already going on that that's one thing we haven't really gotten into. We, we, I've been asked that about our foot, about the football show too, that John and I do. And I'm just like, I know nothing about discord. I kind of have a sense of it, but it just in some right. ways seems redundant. Right. I, yeah, I, I've dabbled into discord and, and kind of, 
threw. I mean, I'm a ludite though, so I don't know. I kind of <laughs> threw my hands like, yeah, whatever. So, yeah. I mean, I guess we could do a Discord. I, I wouldn't know the first thing on how to set it up or anything like that. My my goal before we do all that is to be able to occasionally do some live video shows here. Yes, yes, like, we're, like we are right now, so people can see us and, and join in. And really, right. Discord would be all about the shadows anyway. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, let me see. Um, a couple of good comments here. Um, apparently, I didn't put the P5 rating for Into the Fire. It was 9.3. I appreciate Colonel Dad for pointing that out. And he says he's going to have to break out the DVDs because it's no longer an HBO Max, as we talked about. Uh, Unavez did say it looked like the block of ice did blow up at the end of the limbo scene when Lorian reached out for Sheridan's hand to pull him out. I, I, now that he says that, I kind of, or her, I, I don't know who this, I'm sorry, I apologize to Unavez and Una Luna Azul. Um, that rings a bell. So I do kind of remember it blowing up now, but I'd forgotten. I didn't catch it at all. I was so so wrapped up in the scene about yeah. what was going on with the characters. I, I wasn't paying any attention. Yeah. So I don't even I have no memory of that. And they say, if I remember correctly, the bit about Mr. Morton's necklace is actually in The Shadow Within by Jean Cavalos. I always forget that she wrote that book. Because I know she wrote the Technomage trilogy later for Del for Del Rey, but she right. wrote the next to last of the old Dell books, which is the one about Anna Sheridan and Morton. Okay. So that's where the necklace comes in. Um, oh, also said, love the Shakespeare Henry the Fifth clip, even with the additions. That would have been. Oh, for a muse of fire. <laughs> Henry V <laughs> is one of my favorite plays. I've always had that on the soundboard. I love the Bard. I love all of his plays. Oh, absolutely. Ice Cream Clone says, I'm halfway through this episode and so much in depth analysis. That's. I, I appreciate that. We had a good time with yeah, it. Yeah, we did. Uh, said, could I suggest for patrons Andy and Van do an episode commentary while both watching the episode simultaneously? It could be an audio or video, and patrons could queue up the episode and mute the TV to listen to you guys. Could be great. Perhaps top-tier patrons could pick the episode. War Without End could be a hilarious two-parter. They <laughs> just, just won't let that go. But no, I am totally game for that. I think that would be that. a blast. Let's. let's. Let's do that. We'll have to... Yeah. I have to think of one to do, or yeah, I'll, I'll certainly say, patrons, if you want to comment or send in uh, messages or whatever, if there's one that you think would really be good for Andy and me to do, preferably one that's still coming up, maybe, and certainly something in season five would yeah. be would oh, be appropriate because we'll need, you know, right. in, se- in season five we'll need the help, we'll need the, you know, it doing something dude, wacky with it. Dude, Leg- Legends of the Rangers. Oh God. <laughs> It's going to turn into MST3K at that point. <laughs> that would be hilarious. No, I, I'm totally game with that. I'll I tell you this. If we end up doing one like Legend of the Rangers where we're going to spend a fair amount of the time actually like not happy Riffing. about it, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get like the Funko Pops of Servo and Tom Servo and Crow <laughs> Robot, and I'll have them on the screen with, with Kosh and... Uh, I- and everybody and they'll yeah that'll be fun we'll do that i would like i would like to do it with a more uh serious episode yeah because i think that i think that would be really cool to do um we should put up like a poll or something somewhere where people can can vote yeah um, but i yeah. would love to do it with legends of the rangers because that would give us an actual reason to watch it legends would. of the rangers it would and and we would, and we only have to we only have to we'd watch it together 
Right. Yeah, instead of having to go watch it off somewhere else and then come in. And especially since neither one of us has seen it since it's aired, I think that would be hilarious. That's been a while, too. That was probably, what, 2000, probably, something like that? Yeah. Crusade Crusade ran in the summer of 99, so it had to be after that. This is probably 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. Yeah, I want to say it was was a little over a year after Crusade. So around, yeah, end of 2000, beginning of 2001. Yeah. Oh no! And ice cream clone says, "Also, just discovered my disc of this episode is unplayable." Frowny face. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh man, that sucks. Um, well, it is well, around. You can watch on, yeah, you can watch on Roku channel. Yeah, there you go. And again, I if you buy just one, well, if you can, I don't know if you can buy just one episode of Babylon Five on on iTunes. They get to get uh, the whole you know, series. That's a good. That's a good question. I don't know. I did uh, notice. Uh, go ahead. Legends of the Rangers was 2002. Oh, wow. Much later than I remembered. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did notice that they now have The Gathering, the pilot movie, on iTunes as part of the... It's at the very end. I don't hmm. know if it's on mine that I paid for. Usually they add stuff if they add... You know, In other words, if you buy something and then later they add something to it or change it, they'll change it for you. Like when I bought Babylon 5, it was not remastered, but now I have all the remasters just because they gave it to me, you know? Right, that's so, interesting. I'll have to look that up because I'm I have been watching it on almost exclusively on Apple for a while now uh, yeah. because of the problems that HBO Max was having with the lip syncing. Um, oh, yeah. So, and frustratingly with Apple, with at least with my Apple interface, it's not split out by season. It's split out. Uh, you get all the episodes. So you got to fling down all the way down. Now that we're in episode or in season four, you got to scroll through all the other episodes to get to that. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now on my phone, and at, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, 201 The Gathering is on there. Hmm. So I didn't, it, I don't think it was on there when I bought this, but they've added it in, just like they added the remastered versions. Cool. So it is kind of funny how I, I see all these people saying, oh, I don't get streaming stuff. I only want physical media. I'm like, well, then you'd be stuck with the non-remastered versions, and I've got mine all up, upgraded to remastered now. Right. So... Uh-huh. I, you know. I, I get where they're coming from, though, because if any of those companies decides to change their terms of service or, heaven forbid, go out of business, I, I'd lose a lot of movies. I got a lot of movies only digitally. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do, too. I do, too. Um, all right. That's the uh, patrons. I guess one last little thing we have to do. Jumpgate activated. And we are in spoiler space where we can actually talk about... Uh, spoilers, but I don't have a whole lot. Um, I, the I really only thing don't. I have is is about Lita. I, the, yeah, that whole scene with Sheridan, he was a lot nastier n- earlier than I thought he he got with her. Yes. I, I, I wasn't expecting it in four oh seven for him to 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 be treating her like this so so quickly after. I mean, it, this was like a, hours after the war was won. He's treating mm-hmm. her like this. So yeah. I was not expecting it to happen that quickly. And not only was she instrumental in the Shadow War, she's going to be instrumental in the Earth War. Right. They should give her freaking medals and a lifetime it, it, cha- uh, quarters on Babylon 5. It amazes me. And and I'm not saying it, that it's poor writing because you can see, I guess, why. I I, I don't agree with, with, with their decisions they made, but they're, they're realistic human decisions, I, I, I guess, human reactions. But, yeah, she, they should roll out the red carpet for her. She should be given, you know, the, the top room in the, in the station. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
she went to Zaha Doom to try to find him. I mean, uh, uh, he should at least be thankful for that. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. It's 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 it's, it's mind boggling. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that was my main thing, and we know where that's going. And I think that right. we end up, her, I think her story arc actually ends up in one of the short stories that we'll talk about later on. Okay. Which is a weird place for it to end, but yeah. I, yeah, no kidding. And I can't remember if she lives all the way to Sleeping in Light or not. She's not in it. No, but, she's not in that episode, right. But I don't know if she's still... I, I don't know. Maybe something's already happened to her. We know the telepath war happens before Sleeping in Light. Right. And we I'll know have that to check it, my, my Babylon 5 encyclopedia for her. Oh, entry yeah. I forgot we got that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got the Crusade encyclopedia recently, too, which is like basically the same thing, just they cut the Crusade part out and did it by itself. I just got it because it's cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we know that at least one important character dies during the, if not two or three, during the telepath war. But we've never, that's the other thing we've never seen. We don't see the end of Crusade, right. and we've never seen the telepath war. The right. story was always he was saving that for a movie, but I just can't imagine that the telepath war would make a movie, a good movie by itself. Nobody would know what it was. What and and why that wasn't season five? I'll never know. Yeah, I mean, if he if he was looking for a con, I mean, his big thing was oh my my, my main conflict was crammed into season four, so I had nothing for season five. What about the telepath war, dude? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd have to shuffle some of the timeline around to you know to, to crunch cares? it in to have it that ha- to have it happen that that quickly. But I mean, it, it would have been so much better than uh, Byron. Well, he he. Well, the Byron story basically is a miniature telepath war, right? But it, but it doesn't have any real resolution, and it's just a frustrating thing. So, right, right, <clears throat> yeah. And you know, the only good thing about the whole Byron storyline, and Lord, we're going to get to that when the time comes. Yeah. The only good thing about the Byron storyline is that it was supposed to be Ivanova and not Lita with him. And if Ivana, right. I mean, if 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 Susan had gone off with this dude, I'd have just turned the TV off. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, I think we're pretty much to the end. Any final thoughts? No, sir. Another fun discussion for. I, I didn't expect us to, to chat this long about this episode, but well, we had some stuff to talk about. We had other things, right? We've we've kind of yeah. been all over the place, been expansive, but that's good. People enjoy it. And I had a really great time. Coming up next is four oh eight, the illusion of truth, which just from the name is another one of those. Remember how we used to talk? Remember in season one when we would say we had no idea what the episode was based on the name. <laughs> You've been saying that every season, though. So, Ow. not not season four. I knew pretty much what was coming up in, se- in season three. Three and three and four, I pretty well knew. Season one, I'm like, what is that? What episode is that? Right. It, but epiphanies, I'm like, I have no idea what happens in this episode, and right. I've just watched it. And I'm still not entirely sure. <laughs> Illusion of Truth. I just cheated and looked at the guide page for it, so I would know what the name was, and I'm like, oh, it's that one. Yeah. So we're going back to ISN next time to talk to yeah. the reporters again. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. Another MASH episode. All right. Well, I think that we'll get on out of here for another episode. And, uh, again, if you want to get these episodes early and, and get some bonus things that we're going to be working on and be able to send in questions and comments and have them answered on the show and all that, just go to www.com b5review.com or patreon.com and look for Babylon, uh, look for White Rocket Reviews. And uh, Andy, I guess we will uh, talk again soon. All right, man. Take care. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.